move in. All right, so for the next time, you can start looking at the questions in section five, which you probably already did. We'll do 5A and 5B over the next three, week, or three classes. All right, so we're going to continue on with self-control. Uh, very quick review, we did some amount of uh, looking at definitions. We looked at uh, Vines and Erdmans, and then uh, we did a couple of examples of people who had self-control, a couple of examples of those who didn't. And then we, we uh, kind of ended here looking at what it is and uh, some of the attributes of, uh, will, of uh, like willpower and so subordination of our impulses and things like that. So we'll pick up here. Uh, and so we're looking at these kind of just as a high level view. We're going to look in some more detail at many of these things. So we're just kind of whetting your appetite here for these things. So how do we get it? Well, first of all, training, and we've been talking about that since the very first class. Uh, making our body our slave is part of that training. Self-discipline, coming from God's Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, that will stop our flesh from controlling us. And uh, the flesh controlling us is a very bad situation, so that's probably one of the biggest areas of self-control. That's Sometimes that's the hardest one, too, to stay in the Spirit always when the flesh sometimes just yep. grabs us. Yep. The flesh is very persistent. It doesn't take, oh, yeah. doesn't take no for an answer very easily. So so um, putting on the armor, we're going to see that a little bit um, as, as a way of being because it's a way of protecting ourselves. It's also a, a, a defensive mechanism. Self-control is a step in our growth. We're going to see that in several scriptures. Uh, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, working and staying busy can be an exercise in self-control. And we'll show you how that, how that fits together. Self-control and discipline are learned, practiced, and mastered. It's hard work. It requires being awake, sober, and alert. And in fact, sober and alert are words that are used for self-control. And then it requires some other skills like self-sacrifice, self-denial, self-discipline, reforming ourselves, self-examination, disciplining ourselves in humility. The world thinks that last one is what keeps Christians from having a good life. Yeah. But it's what gives Christians a good life. It's true. Um, yeah. The world's view is you got to be on top of the heap. Yeah. It's kind of mm -hmm. that. I think uh, somebody mentioned it in the sermon. Um, who dies with the most toys wins. That's kind of the, that view of life. Uh, we have a different view of life uh, than most others. So these are things that will um, help us to get self-control. And we're going to look at those over the next few classes. And then what do we get because we have self-control? Or what's the result? Well, there are some negative results. Like if you, if you lack self-control, you can't stop those people who are aggressive towards you or tempt people who are trying to tempt you, um, we see that you'll have a problem with anger. Um, the Word of God will help us with that. Uh, without self-control, we'll bless and curse out of the same mouth, and that's not a wise thing to do. Uh, we'll find out that our tongue is very tough to control, and if we have a lack of self-control, it will be a problem for us, and it will actually corrupt our whole body. Selfishness and self-ambition they become part of this problem of not having self-control. And uh, so 
we're going to see uh, longer term here that selfishness is really at the core of a lot of this, and it causes a lot of the evil and the evil practices that that we are involved in. Stubbornness and strong will attitudes are also part of the problem. Um, this is kind of a tough one because when you raise your kids, what do you raise them to be? Independent. Independent. You want them to be strong, right? Uh -huh. Confident. Yeah. Well, that sometimes can go against us. So there's a balance here to how we have to, to do this. Um, areas of life that get out of order when we lack self-control, we'll look at some of that. Um, we can become selfish, we call them arrogant, pride, proud, and self-righteous. Um, and then this is a big one, I think, especially nowadays, not being content with what we have. Uh, causes us to be faced with more temptations. The more you want, the more the temptations get a hold on you. And so that comes generally with a lack that of That is so hard for young people. It is. And they, it becomes a habit as you get older. Uh, for some people, uh, for most of us, I think being content with what we have as we're older is... Yeah, I think that's when you find that life actually settles down a little bit. That's when you start Stuff being more content, matter. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, over time, you know, a good exercise in that is to walk through your house sometime and just open drawers and find all the stuff you've collected and that you don't actually use anymore. And just think of all the money that you spent and then, and then ask yourself, what was the purpose of all of that? When I moved to Kibble in this small studio, it was so liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You had to get rid of stuff. Stuff. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes stuff is just, it stuffs yeah. your head up. <laughs> yeah, you just don't think very clearly. There is so little stuff. you actually need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we kind of... <laughs> what was I still do. <laughs> he said I have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. May I make a comment? Sure. I think another result of lack of self-control is it hinders your ability to serve God. Yes, and this, uh -huh. you know, everything that we're talking about here is really counterproductive to being a Christian. And so, um, if you, and we'll see that part of the um, part of the uh, focus here, or part of the the tools that you'll use for self-control, is that focus on God, because that, in in and of itself, will give us a focus. It will give us something to look towards to keep us focused and it will keep us on the right track with self-control, um, especially if we want very desperately to please him. That will help. All right, so we talked about choices quite a while back, decision-making choices. Um, when we make bad choices, that, is that always a sign that we lack self-control? I don't think so. No, it's not. Sometimes we just make decisions for bad reasons. What are some attitudes that we might have that will cause us to make bad decisions? We don't get all the facts. We go okay. off half. Yeah, we go off uh, without all the information and yeah. not being able to make a good choice. Sometimes there's pride, stubbornness, there's uh, self-will, there's um, lack of uh, information, there's foolishness. Pride is a big problem. Naivety. Huh? Being naive, just Na naivety. Yeah. Yep. And so sometimes those are bigger reasons. So it isn't always a sign that you have a lack of self-control. But we have talked about ways to strengthen many of those areas. And, and as a part of the self-control discussion, we're going to talk about pride and, and things like that. 
Uh, certainly foolishness is, is kind of getting rid, to get rid of foolishness, you try to become wise. And that's fixed by knowledge and experience. So let's talk next about, uh, there's just a couple small topics here. Is working and staying busy an exercise in self-control? It actually can be. Yeah, I think so. It can be. When we talked about David on the rooftop, what did we say was one of his problems? Shouldn't put it out there. And he had too much time on his hands, didn't he? Time on his hands. And sometimes being busy is better. And, and I think we had a men's class, and this was brought up uh, when we were talking about the Proverbs, and I think Alan Greeley brought it up that, you know, sometimes when I find myself not focused on the right things, sometimes you just put in some more hours at work because that, that will help you to stop focusing on those things you shouldn't. And so what are some other things we can do um, to help us not have too much time on our hands? Study. Study. Prayer. I have noticed one of the very few uh, benefits of being very old is <laughs> I do have, if I want to, a lot of time on my hands, but it gives me more time. I have a huge north-facing window, mm -hmm. seeing the mountains, and it gives me more time to just relax in my lazy boy and talk to God and yeah. view His handiwork and just think of all the ways He has blessed me in my yeah. almost 90 years. So count your blessings. Mm -hmm. way. But when you're young, that doesn't work that well. Yes, sometimes we're just too distracted mm -hmm. from that. We don't have the patience to mm -hmm. sit there. I think it's key with all these things is to understand there's a law of empty spaces. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that there's a law of empty spaces, you will always fill it with something. Mm -hmm. And if, in fact, you have these things in your life that you don't have as much control over, if you're going to try to take those out of your life and, and get away from them, you have to fill them with other things. Yep. Whether it's the things that you were just talking about, maybe it's serving other people, just getting out of the house if you have a problem with things that you do while you're in the house when you're home alone, whatever it is, you always have to fill it with something else. Uh -huh. Now it just might be serenity, study, I mean, it doesn't mean physically doing something, but it might be, you know, all the above. I mean, yep. you just and always have to fill it with We learned that in Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26 with the evil spirit that came in. Sometimes if you don't fill that, according to, to that teaching, if you don't fill it with something positive, seven things that are even worse than the one thing you got rid of are going to move in and take you over. So it really is important. I mean, that that seven times view is to tell you how important having too much time on your hands uh, is as a problem. Hey. You know, this is kind of a philosophy behind time management. If you've ever been through any kind of class or study about time management, um, avoiding too much time on your hands, avoiding wasting time. And while some of us do that better than others, I find if I put a lot of things on my calendar, especially at work, it keeps me on task or busier than if I just don't have anything and I'm just like nilly-willy, you know, every day I'm just kind of, well, what should I do now, what should I do now, that kind of thing. You wind yeah. up wasting a lot of time. And the way that I think this applies spiritually is you can use that for study, for prayer, meditation, those kinds of things. If you just don't think, well, maybe today I'll, I'll study some book in the Bible, or maybe today I'll pray 
Well, you might do that for a certain time period, but if you block it out, say, I'm going to do this for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It might be a discipline where you fill your day up. And I, that discipline is something we're going to talk about as a, as a, a cornerstone or a foundation of learning self-control. Sometimes we learn self-control by doing the little things, not by doing the big things. So we'll talk more about that as we go. All right, so let's look at some scriptures relating to self-control. We'll spend the rest of this class on that. And then uh, the next class, we'll start looking at, you know, what do we need to do to, to gain self-control? What do we need to, um, to learn how to do that better? So these are some things here that, um, that shows that, that uh, self-control is part of the uh, Christian character. It's something that God expects us to have. Um, as we look at uh, these scriptures, we see in Galatians 5, 22. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. There's our word self-control. Again, such there's no law. Now, if we look at fruit of the Spirit, if you break that down, fruit of the Spirit is, to me, that's the benefit of putting the word into action in your life. Fruit is benefits. The Spirit is God's word. The fruit of the Spirit is benefits of studying and putting God's word into practice. And so the benefit is we're going to grow. And if we put that into place, uh, we will grow in all of these aspects, including self-control. And we talked in our first self-control class about how pervasive the idea of self-control is. It's, it's in everything that we do. And so that's such an important skill. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now that word sensibly there is our word. That's the, that's the word for self-control. And so if we're going to deny ungodliness and deny worldly desires, that's going to take self-control. And so if we get rid of those and instead put self-control in, we'll be, we'll be better off. Um, if we don't do this, basically this says... Um, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, telling us to do this. Well, he brought salvation and told us to do this. If we don't do this, we don't have salvation. So it's that important. <clears throat> okay, and then in, in 1 Timothy 3, we see that an elder needs to have uh, this idea of self-control. In uh, Titus 1, same, same uh, topic as elders, he must be self-controlled. Then we start looking at various categories of people. Older men are to have self-control. Um, and we're going to find out that older women need to have it. We're going to find out that, that the younger women need to have it. We're going to see that the young men need to have it. So who have we left out of that? We got them all, didn't we? Everybody needs to have it. So in that one passage, it tells us that everybody needs to have self-control. You know, I never thought about the last of that verse before, but if we don't do these things, we are dishonoring God. We are. And, I mean, you know, I've, I've always known that that scripture and that was what to do, but it just never hit me, I guess, like it did just now when when I saw that, that, yeah. that we will be dishonoring God if we don't practice self-control. Mm -hmm. And not only do we dishonor God, I mean, that, that's the most important, absolutely, but we also uh, disrespect the next generation. 
if we don't practice it, in both cases, it talks about encouraging the young women and also urging the young men. So if we don't practice it ourselves, there, there could be somewhat of a spiral downward because we're not holding the banner high like we should and teaching and urging the next generation. So they have to lift the banner back up and raise it up higher than we were for the next generation. And so. it's, it is something that we learn. Mm -hmm. It is something that to make a really solid impression on us, if our parents don't have it, we're going to have a harder time learning it. So we as parents need to, to um, make sure we set the right example. In Second Peter here, we learn um, that self-control is part of a growth cycle. Um, here he says in verse 4 that he wants us to become partakers of the divine nature so that we can escape uh, the corruption that's in the world by lust. Corruption in the world by lust. So the world is corrupted by their lust because they don't, they don't have enough self-control to keep themselves from doing these things. And if we're going to put on the divine nature, we can't do that. And so verse 6 here says... Uh, in your knowledge, we need to add self-control in our self-control perseverance, in your perseverance godliness. And there are other things up here that we're adding. And so as we add one thing upon another, we're building on foundation. Self-control is part of that foundation that we're building. Um, in verse 10 here, it says, Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And so growth is important. Um, if we're going to escape worldly lusts, Self-control is important, and if we have these, all these attributes here, including self-control, we will not stumble. Good, solid foundation to be able to build off of. <clears throat> so everyone needs to have self-control. We just saw that. We saw elders. We saw every individual brought up. And we need to grow and mature in our self-control because there's a, an expected growth here that we're supposed to be doing. Um, Let's talk about physical self-control. So in the physical realm, it's important, um, and we understand that. Um, Paul uses this example here um, about uh, training. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one who receives the prize? Run in a race, run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So he says self-control here, but what's the other words he uses for self-control here that are very important? It's this word discipline. I discipline my body and make it my slave. Doesn't that sound like self-control? Self-control is to have such control of your body that it's your slave. Mm -hmm. And that means that it will do what you tell it to. Um, that implies that we know what a good slave is all about, which he's also going to talk about. So this is making my body do what I want my body to do. Now, we have lusts and things like that where bodily uh, discipline is very important because it affects the, the spiritual. But this is also an example of because you know how important it is to be disciplined physically, you should also know how important it is to be disciplined spiritually and take control of things. Okay, Second Thess First Thessalonians. Um, so this is the will of God, your sanctification. So you are being set apart. God wants you to be set apart. 
And the way he wants you to do that is he wants you to abstain from sexual immorality, that you will know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. So this is self-control. Your, your being set apart means that you're going to be able to control yourself. Sexual immorality, is that an easy topic? No. Sexual behavior is very complicated, but it's also God gave uh, everyone such a strong uh, desire in that area that it's, it's kind of like handing someone a gun. It comes with a lot of responsibility. Um, we get it. We have a lot of responsibility in how we use it. We've got to be very, very careful how we I'm use it. I'm so that. sorry for the younger generation now because the idea of anything goes. And it does. they will be persecuted because they don't practice that. Yeah, but and it's important that they're it's, able it's to. It's going to be awfully hard and far. It will. And so um, I guess we need to learn how to possess our own vessel. In other words, we need to control our bodies. We need to know how do we, we're going to control our bodies. How are we going to do that? Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles do. Um, so if we were to do that, though, we would transgress our brother and defraud him in the matter because, and then it says if you do that, the Lord is the avenger in all things. So what's he telling us? If you don't do it, you have me to answer to and I will take care of, I will avenge these things. Um, God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification, which is where he started. So he's called us to be able to control ourselves, to be able to take the things he's given us and, and take positive control over ourselves. And, and we determine in our minds what we're going to do, not from our, our desires and all the, the uh, signals we get from our bodies. All right. First Peter, uh, there's our word again, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit. Well, there's a way that we can do that there. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. So think about the time when Jesus is going to talk to you in judgment and give you his grace. In other words, well done, good and faithful servant. Think about that. Fix your hope on that. And, that, and if you keep sober in spirit, focusing on that, uh, you'll be prepared. You'll be prepared for action. So that's a good way of looking forward um, and seeing how to do this, how to put this in place. Um, so this gives us motivation. This gives us a, a way of uh, knowing how important this is. There's an inner calmness about this. There's a, uh, a determination that comes out of this. 1 Thessalonians basically tells us to be alert and be sober. Don't sleep like everyone else does. Be aware that the day is coming, so be sober. And then we see here, putting on, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet and the hope of salvation. So putting on that armor is a way that we will be able to go um, be sober and be able to stay on the alert. So when you put that armor on, you, you kind of put yourself into the mindset of a soldier. And a soldier definitely knows you don't sleep. You don't, you always have someone looking out. And so uh, this keeps us aware. First um, Peter 4, 7, And of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit. So this again gives us a way of, of understanding how critical it is. Because, because the end is coming, we need to make sure that we're of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Motivation again. 
And then the last one, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we've, you've heard sermons like this where they say, if you knew you were going to be mugged tonight, what would you do? You'd be ready. You'd avoid that situation. You'd find a way to avoid that. If you'd be, even if it came, you would be more prepared. And so that's the way we need to be with our self-control. We need to be prepared. Uh, be alert. You're the target. When someone's trying to get you to throw your self-control out the window, you're the target. I remember Ken had that picture. Gentleman had just killed uh, what was a dove? A dove? Not a dove, but a, no, it was uh, a hunting thing. A doe. Uh, a deer. A deer. Yeah, a deer. Doe deer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and the lion. There was a lion in the picture behind me. Oh you remember yeah. That? Yeah. Every I time I that. see this verse, there's a mountain lion there where he's he's uh, working on the deer. A mountain lion. He doesn't realize that he's the target. He's the prey. Yeah. yeah. In the chain of things, yes. All right, in the area of controlling our speech, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked a lot about controlling our speech. Um, but um, we need to control our speech. We ask God to help us in that. Set a guard, O oh Lord, so you're asking God to help. Uh, with here, we've talked about this passage before. Um, humility is preferred over anger. Uh, the word can save us. Our anger can't save us. And so this this passage we talked about, uh, Psalms 17, these are conscious decisions. You've tried my heart. You've visited me by, by night. You have tested me, and you find nothing. I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. There's a purpose. There's a conscience decision here that you said, I'm not, I'm not going to fail in that area. Um, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds per persuasiveness to his lips. So where does the really, the problem really about what we say isn't per se our lips, where's the real problem? Our heart. And that's really what he's saying, the heart is what really matters here. So if we want to keep things from coming out of our mouth that we shouldn't say, sometimes it's not so much about self-control, it's about training your heart to be better so that those things don't even exist have to have to control. Heart, things will not come out of our mouth that right. shouldn't. And, and sometimes that, that's kind of your uh, your proactive way of addressing mm -hmm. uh, self-control. Right? Instead of letting the temptation hit you, you just address the temptation before it ever happens so that that isn't going to be a problem for you. Uh, Proverbs 21, 23, uh, he who guards his mouth and tongue guards his soul from trouble. We've talked about that one before. Um, Ephesians 5, don't be hasty in word or impulse or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. Why wouldn't we want to do that? God's sovereign, right? We don't we don't talk to God flippantly. We don't we, we, we're very careful and thoughtful when we talk to God. So don't be impulsive. That's basically a word for saying don't let your words get away from you, don't let your self-control down, especially when you're talking to God. Um, because God is in heaven and you're on the earth. Let your words be few. Sometimes, you know, when when uh, when you have things that you're having trouble controlling, sometimes the best thing to do is just not say anything because things are going to come out. 
that you, you didn't want to say. And then uh, James, again, this passage we've talked about, but he's really using the tongue here as an illustration of how difficult it is to control your body, to control yourself. Yeah, your tongue's a little thing, just like a rudder on a ship, but we know that rudders on ships um, direct the whole ship. And so we understand that uh, those small things will control our whole, our whole body. So here, we're trying to control our entire self. Getting control of our speech is just a small part of that. Um, but we have to do it. And then Proverbs. <clears throat> this is a good one here. I don't think we've hit this one before. Like a city that's broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. What is that saying to us? Easy to be overrun by anything that comes yeah, your way. Anything that comes your way. If you have no, if you're, if you're wide open to anything, uh, you're wide open to everything, and so you're in trouble. And so you have no defense. Uh, Self-control, we're going to see, is the mark of a, of a patient person. Um, so a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger comes a dispute. I think many times self-control shows itself up as an inward calm spirit. Uh, when you're riled inside, that's when self-control gets harder. Um, when you're not settled, when you're not content. Um, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. So controlling our temper is important. And then uh, this is just the beginning of Proverbs, and it tells us the, what the Proverbs are good for, and they're good. Um, they give us an overall goal of what we want to achieve, and it kind of helps us to set our focus in the right place. Uh, so if someone's going to take advantage of us by making us lose our temper, that's a problem. And um, we can't let them do that to us. We have to have enough self-control uh, to keep them from being able to do that to us. Here, um, let's see. So in this one, persecution can take you off course. Uh, I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you, take off your shirt and give him your coat also. In some ways, that's just uh, bringing down the tension of the situation. Um, don't don't uh, think that um, fighting every battle is going to be uh, of any val of complete value. So sometimes we just we need to have enough self-control that we don't fight every fight and become uh, an actor in every battle. First uh, Peter chapter two verses eighteen to twenty-three. Here um, we can't let the actions of others dictate our actions. So here he's telling a servant to be submissive to his master, uh, not just the masters that are good and gentle, but to those that are unreasonable. And if you let the unreasonableness of the master control your response, then you're going to be just like him. You're going to be uh, having. You're going to have trouble. Finds favor with God for the sake of the conscience uh, if you bar, uh, bear up under sorrow. So this, um, so if we're more of a reactive kind of person like the one who uh, reacts to everything that comes along, that's not an example of self-control. Patience, if you think about it, is, is really a reflection of self-control. All right, so um, <clears throat> there's a few more things we learn. 
A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. So a snare is a trap. So saying things without controlling what we're going to say can trap us, get us into all kinds of trouble. Um, Thus says the Lord to his people, even so, <clears throat> they have love to wander. And that idea of wandering is they don't really have any self-control. They're just, they're just going along with the flow. They haven't kept their feet in check. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He'll remember their iniquity and call their sins into account. If we have no self-control, that's the way God looks at us. You're a wandering person who doesn't watch where you go. You're not checking your feet. You're not watching what you're doing. Um, here, if you're going to become, if you're going to sign a, a, a paper for your neighbor, sign that you'll pay if they don't, uh, become a surety for your neighbor, give a pledge for a stranger, you're going to put yourself in a bad situation, and, and ultimately what you ought to do is go to your neighbor and ask him to let you out of it, because that may be a situation where you'll find yourself uh, in trouble. Um, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Happy is he who keeps the law. So what does that tell us about trying to be self-controlled? We need to have law. We need to look at the law. So, and we know that the law we're interested in is God's law. And so if we, if we look to God's law, that will give us a vision. And that will keep us from being unrestrained. In fact, it will restrain us. The converse of that, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. So the other side of that, the unrestrained really are not happy. That's true. And, and a lot of that becomes, you can see that in the idea of contentment. You're mm -hmm. never content. You just always want more and more and more. And uh, you'll just never, you'll never get there. Just, you, you see that a lot with the way people raise their children. Yes. And then how their children turn out. You know, the ones that are disciplined and given guardrails, which Roger Schaus had a great series on, and, and has a path and a finish line and a focus, the more restricted they are within reason, the better those children turn out, the more controlled they are, and the happier they are, and, and the, the, you know, but just the opposite of that, the ones that just let their kids run wild, and they don't train them up, and they have no boundaries, well, that just kind of continues on in life. And what do they try to tell you, people try to tell you when they watch you doing that with your children? <laughs> they tell you that yeah. you're being unreasonable and unloving and uncaring. Right. But it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Um, you're, you're showing you care by doing that. And you're training them. This is a, a very important one for us. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 1, the very first chapter, he talks about people that are going to let their lusts take them and, and direct them. And their lusts... Um, give them over to degrading passions. Their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. The men also abandon the natural function of the woman and burn in their desire towards one another, men with men. And so what does a lack of self-control do in the natural, in the worldly realm? It takes us completely off course, and we can see that in very vividly in our society today, how far off course it's taking us. And we talk about everything being redefined, even pronouns now are being challenged, right? Which is totally ridiculous. But this is what happens. And so a lack of self-control will take society completely off course and take us off course and take us where we don't want to And eventually God will just give them over to it. Yeah. And they, uh, there will be no return. And if we knew, if we were back in early days, we would think in terms of flood. 
we know yeah. now that's not going to happen, right? Yeah. There won't be a second chance on this one. Mm -hmm. Is it a doctor's spot or something like that? that yeah, long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. People will follow him and not the Bible. Um, there's one. Uh, so here's these are in areas of the, the sexual um, lusts and such, depriving one another except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's very clear from that passage that, that that area is a very difficult area for people. Um, if they don't have self-control, let them marry. And then there are matters which have the parents of wisdom and self-made religion. So these are areas where sometimes we can act like we're controlling ourselves by not doing certain things and we, and we treat them as religious. And they're not. They're just something you made up. And uh, you need to follow. Self-control needs to follow in the, in the line of what Christ wants us to do, uh, not by the things we make up to do. All right, we are going to jump next lesson into um, how do we get self-control, how do we gain it. So we're going to start looking at some, some processes and some areas where uh, we use to gain self-control.